Hello and welcome to another episode of Under the Lights. We're getting ever closer to the end of the season. A really good win at Bournemouth on Sunday. One game to go. And this time we have another guest on the show for our matchday memoirs. Without further ado, let's get cracking on with it. My name is Tom Murray. My name's Callum Wilson. This is Under the Lights and we're heading over to Kingston Corner. So yeah, uh, on this latest episode, as you said, Tom, we've got another guest for our uh, second edition of Match Day Memoirs. Uh, if you heard the first one with pitch announcer John Weeks, I uh, really enjoyed that. And we've got the pitch side presenter at St Mary's, and you might uh, you might recognise him from the uh, the pre-match and the halftime shows. We've got uh, Steve Forbes. Thanks for coming on, Steve. Thanks very much for having me. Pleasure to do it. Brilliant to speak to you. Hope you're keeping well during lockdown and keeping busy, especially uh, especially now that the the Premier League's well into the uh, project restart. In fact, as Tom said, only one game left to go. Sheffield United this this coming Sunday. Are you uh, you looking forward to it? And has it been has it been strange since it all started up again? Yeah, it was very strange because obviously when when was lockdown? God, I'm trying to think back, March now, and we're still having nine games of the season to go. We were we were actually originally filming or planning to film the pilot for what turned out to be our Saints live shows, which have covered us since the restart at the at the end of March, which had to be had to be cancelled as we went into lockdown. So it was a few months in the wilderness of, of not having any any work at Saints and just having a day job. But, but since the restart has been great, Saints live. Has gone, has gone so well. I've really, really enjoyed doing that. And uh, unfortunately, I won't be at the at the last game uh, for Sheffield United. I've got some family matters to take care of, so I've had to duck out of that one. But I will be rooting the uh, the Saints from from afar. Yeah, and we'll delve into your match day memoirs and talk about what it is that you do on a match day, well, and how that's changed since lockdown in just a moment but let's let's first get to get to know you so you've been with Saints for uh, a couple of years now but uh, are you are you a fan of the Saints or has, has another team got your heart yeah well I've, I've worked for, for Southampton for what's coming up to three years in uh, in October November time but but no I'm not actually originally a Saints fan I, I support Manchester United um, as you can tell from my accent I'm not from <laughs> from the northwest of England uh, but yeah I, I support Man United since uh, since I was a child. And that must have been really quite difficult for you then the other day with that last minute equaliser. You've got to put on a brave face for your uh, post-match shows. No, but that, that was it, yeah. <laughs> it was looking all, all rosy for me because uh, like, there's a bit of banter that obviously goes around between between the staff and uh, and then, yeah, what was it, 96 minutes? And then that equaliser goes in. And it was very it was very disappointing on the inside about having to project um, how, how happy I was for the post-match show was, uh, was something, yeah. Yeah, so for the post-match show, you're sort of putting on that brave face, going like, "This is great," and on the inside, you're sort of just thinking, "This is this is just the worst possible thing that could have happened." Do you know what? In, in another situation, it may have been different. I think if if it was say last season, and, and you've got that, or the, maybe even the season before, and, and saying to fighting off relegation, then I, th- I think I would have put those allegiances to one side, and I really would have wanted Saints, Saints to win. But knowing that it's kind of a a mid-table finish, a kind of a 12th, 11th place finish, and, and United are still gunning for for a Champions League spot. I think that's why I was I was maybe so irked at that last minute of a Femi got. 
Yeah, well, I, I have a couple of mates who are Manchester United fans, and they they did not take they did not take it too well. So I, sent, I sent them a couple of messages saying "good game, good game," and I uh, I can't repeat on this podcast exactly what kind of messages I got back. But so you've been with Saints for coming up to three years. I imagine then that. I'm saying Saints very much well and truly your second club now. Yeah, I would I would say so. It's it's always hard to say you've got a second club because people just say you just, you can sort of flout between anyone. But having moved to the south coast of England when I was very young, uh, but being a Man United fan, you do kind of keep abreast of of who who's local to you. And when I went to primary school, no one really supported anyone on the South Coast. There was no Portsmouth fans, there was no Southampton fans, there was no Brighton fans in, in my class. It was all Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Notts Forest, even Newcastle fans in, in my class. And then, unfortunately, when, when Portsmouth got promoted to the Premier League back whenever that was, suddenly there was just this wave of Pompey fans. Um, and I hated that. I hated the fact that people just switched and, and would support, say, a, a north a northern club and then, and then go to Portsmouth. Um but I think having watched, obviously, back in the day, what was it, the Premiership with Des Lyon and Match of the Day, etc., you do keep a note of, of who's close to you. And I always kind of like Southampton. I remember that, that, that FA Cup final and really wanted them to beat Arsenal. So they've never really been my second club before I started working. But now, definitely, having having been inside the club and met a lot of people there and, and really caring about them, I, I would definitely say that. I follow Southampton very closely behind Manchester United. I was going to say, choosing Pompey, what a what a terrible decision to make as soon as they reach the Premier League. That's something that um, we definitely cannot get behind and thoroughly agree. I can't believe it. No, I, I can't believe it. I was like, you absolute turncoat coach to all my friends. Ridiculous. That's right. They'll all be Liverpool fans now. Yeah. <laughs> once, they, once they went back down to the depths of, of the Football League and... Uh, and what's been happening this season. But this is, this is about Saints anyway. That's, a, that's enough Man United talk and especially <laughs> the enemy. But um, do you, do you've, been, you've been working with, with the club for three years. Obviously, we recognise you most uh, being on the other side of the camera, pitch side for those uh, those games at St Mary's. I mean, is that... How long have you been doing that job for? Forgive me for not remembering it for the whole... Three years you've been uh, so since November. What would we be now? What were twenty twenty? So November two thousand and seventeen. I would have I would have started doing that originally when I joined. It was it was to be the new Pixar presenter. I presume that's because it was it was the time that Kenzie was then who did do it for a couple of years before me was then moving into more of a on screen social media role. So they were looking for someone new. And the first couple of games were were shadowing her and working alongside her. And then I kind of had to take the reins myself from the January. January in 2018 and, and then I, I did that all the way through to the end of end of that season and then they decided that one wasn't enough they needed a bit of bit of support for me maybe and that's when they got Tom Deacon in and then I've been working with Tom now for the last two seasons which has been great so we, I think we've built up a real good partnership and kind of uh, made that pitch side role our own and, and I think we, we both love doing it and we really hope that obviously the fans reciprocate that and, and enjoy having us there presenting to them Is it, uh, is it your preference to I mean it'd be, it'd be harsh to say no if Tom's listening but would it, is it your preference having someone else there to kind of share the load I mean I know we do the audio description commentary and it would be a, a hard task to, um, to do that on your own without many breaks apart from the odd kind of uh, bit of music or showing the fans or something on the screen it's good to be able to take a breath and uh, let someone else take the reins for uh, for a couple of minutes is that your uh, your preference as a presenter in that role you know what now it is at the at the start obviously i've done it for, for six months on my own so 
that, that was what I was used to. And when I found out they were getting, and I didn't know who Tom was. I'd heard of him on Capital, and, and I wasn't his friend at the time, and I, I didn't know who this guy was, but I just knew that they got someone else in to cover a preseason game. I think, it, I can't remember who it was. Was it Celta Vigo? I can't remember who it was, but he came in to, just to cover a preseason game. It was very nice. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, this guy's coming in to replace me. Am I not doing a good enough job? Mm. They've just got someone in to shadow for the day and then they might boot me out the door because I, I wasn't sure. But I think they just wanted a bit more energy in the stadium. Two people can definitely bounce off each other much easier. Um, and Tom, with his comedy background, both gave us like an opportunity to kind of use that as a as a way to, to enhance our, our scripts and our links and stuff so yeah Tom came in and, and we just got on so well from the very beginning and now we're very good friends outside of work too so going to work isn't really like just going to a job it's like going to work and just hanging out with your mate for a few hours and getting to watch a football game and having a laugh in front of the crowd so yeah it's been great since he's been on board yeah you, you your mate and 32,000 people Exactly. Yeah, correct. <laughs> You've got had a bit of a. Have you found the job quite difficult over the past few years with the home form being so poor? Obviously, it's it's easy. Not 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 putting down what you do whatsoever, but I suppose it's easier to play to a crowd that are already enjoying the first forty-five. They're enjoying what they've seen on the pitch. Do you feel sometimes that you may be fighting a losing battle? Well, I mean, especially for the Leicester game, which we won't mention again. But it, with with the form so bad, do you find it harder to g up the crowd when the what's going on on the pitch is it's just not really been up to the levels that it had been before? Well, do you know what? For, for that Leicester game, I actually was on um, uh, PA duties. So what John does now, I was covering a few games until he came in. So fortunately, I didn't have to be pitch side uh, as that was going on. I did have to announce nine goals going in, which wasn't that fun. Um, but in, in terms of kind of keeping the crowd up, that, that's the job. It's not a stressful job. Yes, okay, the home form wasn't great for, for a while, um, for, well, for a considerable time. And, and it is hard when, when you know the fans just want the results. And what you're doing and what my role is, is to purely get them into a position where they are excited enough to when, when the team come out of the tunnel and that music's going, that they are they are there and ready and they're involved in the environment. It's not it's not so much making them happy. It's not so much um, even getting most of them involved because we, although we have giveaways, it's only for a certain amount of people. It's more to create the atmosphere that you you are in the stadium. You're at a day out. It's not just turning up to just watch the game. You're, you're involved in the whole showpiece that goes with it, which is an hour and a bit beforehand up to the to kickoff. And then throughout half time, um, before before the second half kicks off, and then at the end, so it it maybe has been because you don't maybe get the reaction that you would do when there's a good run of form when everyone's kind of uh, happy. But I wouldn't say it's actually been been that bad. Yeah, I think as you said, Tom, like if you were there under the under the sort of Cumin years where where we were winning most games and it was exciting and we were pushing up the table, then the fans already have that that buzz and you can almost feed off that and, uh, and come out at half time or before a game and see maybe more people getting into the ground earlier and just being more more excited but um, yeah I think you got away with one being up in the in the warm on that list today because I remember absolutely hammering it down was a storm as well and Tom we're going to have to put a restraint on that because you mentioned that bloody game every week and uh, <laughs> it's hard to hear it on Sky and I don't want it on air anymore um, but yeah I think I think as you said yeah the, the, the different forms and, and what have you I mean away from home we've been fantastic but at home something um, that I'm sure 
will improve on. I wanted to ask you, I mean, we know what you do on a match day. Uh, well, some of what you do on a match day, and we'll, we'll go into, we'll ask you um, just to kind of take us through a, a start to end of, of what you would do on a typical uh, game day at St Mary's. But are there any things that, that listeners, the fans and us uh, might not know that you do, maybe that you, roles that you're involved with or that you have a hand in and things that you might do away from a match day, you know, the homework and the prep uh, as such, because it obviously takes a lot to, to bring it all together and, uh, and doesn't you don't just do it off the, off the cuff before a game. There's a lot of hard work goes into it. Yeah, you know what? Um, it might make me seem like I don't do a lot of it. And it's not so much that there's not a huge amount of prep from my end that goes into it or, or Tom and our ends that go into it because we do look at uh, results. We do look if there's anything that's coming up in the game statistically-wise that we can kind of sh- shove into the script, we can kind of shoehorn in. But there's a lot of people in the team that do a huge amount of work which probably don't get the recognition from from fans and from people that just watch because although myself and Tom are the face of what people will see in front of the camera on the big screen, there is six or seven people behind the script, behind the scene putting in a hell of a lot of effort to make sure that that match day show goes ahead and goes as smoothly as it does. And they're putting together the links, they're get, gathering the VTs, they're cutting those up, they're generating the majority of the script that we'll just kind of ad-lib around. So I would say before a match, yes, I will look at who the opponent is, if there's anything interesting that we can put in there, what kind of links are coming up. But the majority of it is is down to the is down to the team uh, and when when I turn up we'll have a briefing we'll then uh, receive our script we'll look through it and then Tom and I will just kind of work off that script with each other anything that we think that he could say better than I could say deliver it in a, in a better way if there's anything else that we can chuck in there that just might be funny or might get people's ears pricked um, but I would say in terms of in terms of the prep beforehand most of that is done by the rest of the team so you're not really too involved in terms of the creative side you're uh... Yeah, into, with the team and, and the match the entertainment team, you're you're the face, and you and Tom are the faces that um, that deliver it. And obviously, you have the creative freedom on how you how you do that. But in terms of the actual content, not not so much your uh, your responsibility. Yeah, I would say so because. There are things like um, the partners that will need certain links put in. There'll be sponsors, and, and and that doesn't all come down to me. We have management that would sort that out and put that in place. Um, I think the way the roles would vary is that there are people, and there is there, there are managers, and there are producers, etc. People that put it all together. But the pressure does come down to myself and with Tom to actually deliver it. So there might not be a huge amount of, of prep that goes in the week beforehand, but. All the pressure is on us to make sure that it is as good as it can be going out when it's the finished article. Yeah, and we certainly, I mean, we're up in, uh, when we're in doing the commentary, we're up in the Kingsland stand, right on the, like the, at the television gantry. So we're, we start quite early. And so we do hear pretty much the majority of the pre-match show before we start going on our, our pre-match ramble, as it were. And we all, like, we're always coming to each other how, how good it is and how, like, you get the fans as involved as possible. So, you know, we're, we're big fans. I think my favourite part, I mean, we'll talk more about it in the uh, in the Matchday Memoir section, but our, my personal favourite part has got to be the halftime relay because that's always, that's, always that's always good for a laugh. Yeah, it's something that we've tried to change a couple of times as well and it has been nice changing it up and then maybe having a, a penalty shootout or something else or another kind of game. But the halftime relay is just something that 
it doesn't fail. People love it. The fans love it. It's obviously young kids getting involved, and um, it's it, it, there is an element of competition, but it's all about having fun. And I just think it's it synonymizes what what the kind of club represents as well. When you think of how how the club works, when it, it loves youth, it brings through youth players, and when you're kind of just using that halftime platform to give kids an opportunity to get involved in the show, then then that that can only be a good thing. And it's so. Uh... I find it quite funny to see how, you know, you've got young kids involved and that's really fantastic. But, you know, from an early age, they're showing some underhand tactics, you know, throwing the ball before they've even reached maybe a couple of trips here and there. And then, you know, some of them go from range and fall flat on their face and then others are trying to hit it from about six yards out and it goes just wide. And then you've got the ironic cheers. So I, I, I do enjoy watching it. I, I, I think it's brilliant entertainment, actually. Yeah, you can tell the kids that have planned what they're going to do and some who have maybe taken part over the years before um that have got their tactics down of how they're going to win um and then obviously you can tell the difference between the kids that have never done it before and you have to kind of just about just before we're about to to go live you happen to go they're going to you what do i do and you're like okay so you literally just have to carry this ball and run it to, to your person who's wearing the same color bib as you and they're like Okay, do I go behind the goal, in front of the goal? And I'm like, I've got five seconds, do whatever you want, go. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it, it's always entertaining. And and obviously the fans, the fans, they love it. It's always funny when someone slips up or trips or whatever. Not that you're laughing at them, but it's with it. It's with the part of the moment mm-hmm. as well. And obviously when you have Sammy and Mary, the mascots in goal, and they're trying to save it, it's always great when one goes wide or one gets saved, etc. So it, long may it continue, really. I do have one growing up, though. What's that? I do have one grub with a halftime show. Who who pairs them up? Because sometimes I see some some kid who's about thirteen years old, and then uh, and they've got the lead, and then there's some poor little four little three year old tottering along, and sometimes they're rapid, sometimes they catch you by surprise. <laughs> it's, everyone's always being on the, the the little lad or, or lass that's going for uh, going for it. Yeah, we all, we always try to make it as fair as possible. Sometimes it, it's down to kind of scope with time normally they'll be picked in advance we'll, we'll give the tickets out um our, our floor manager will normally gather the children from the sideline and, and assign them the bibs and, and it will always try to be as fair as possible on the on a few occasions we've been super rushed and it's been like here's here's a green bib here's a purple bib here's a green bib here's a purple bib and you don't always match them up perfectly and yeah you do have sometimes uh, an 11 or 12 year old who's had a bit of a growth spurt against an eight year old who, who isn't the quickest so we'll, we'll, but we do try and keep it as fair as possible on most occasions I'm only joking and, and actually in, in fact I think I mean at the end of the day the fairness and giving everyone a chance to win it, no one cares who wins the kids do but uh, no, yeah, none of us really care who wins and sometimes it's actually a bit of a touch of of genius whether it's deliberate or not when when you've got some little kid who, who everyone's cheering on because the crowd get involved then and then they get behind the the underdog as we're so used to doing uh on the pitch as well as mary so um so yeah i think it's uh, as you said it's, it's a really good way of, of keeping those fans entertained especially in a 15 minute period that sometimes can last forever especially on those cold winter nights and uh the queue for the loo is is twenty minutes long, and uh, and you don't really want to go downstairs and, and get any food or drink because those queues are the same. We find ourselves stood up there, and uh, and right at the top, it is it is damn cold. So once you uh, once you get a bit of entertainment and something to uh, get involved in, all of a sudden the teams are coming out for the second half. That's really, I think, in terms of the half time, I think that's something that is uh, is paramount for you guys in terms of almost looking after the fans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
no one knows a cold night on the south coast as much as I do when you're having to wear two pairs of socks, underarmor leggings, your trousers over the top, four layers and and a zipper and a windbreaker over. It is so cold sometimes having to stand down there and, and obviously stand in the tunnel or, or sit in the stands and then go straight and try and be happy and cheery and do a halftime show. But that's, that's the whole point of it. We're, we're employed to make sure that fans are engaged still. And yeah, there might be a huge queue for the loo, a huge queue to go and grab a pie or a cup of tea or whatever. But if you can spare five minutes... And, and just stay in your seat or stand up and, and, and give us a watch. It's just, it's just there to add to that the flavour of the day. You're not paying... Premier League football isn't cheap now. You know, you, you don't pay 10, 20 pounds to go to a game for the most part. You're talking 40 to 60 pounds for a lot of games. I've been to multiple grounds. In fact, talking about being a Man United fan, I've been to Old Trafford on countless occasions and they don't have any pre-match stuff, really. They have no entertainment. And I do feel a little bit ripped off. I think what Southampton put on is fantastic. They, Out of everywhere that I've been, they put on the mo- They put in and put on the most um, from, from any ground when it comes to giving fans something to enjoy pre-game and, and during half-time. So, yeah, so it's, it's always great to do it and, and it's great when people, when you can look around and you know that the stands haven't emptied and there's still people there engaged with you. Talking about fans being engaged, earlier this season we had that, I think it was the halftime penalty shootout, which ended up with the proposal. Did you have any idea that that was going to happen? Did you get any any wink whatsoever from, from the guy or was it completely caught you by surprise and suddenly you're thinking the script's been totally ripped up here? No, no, we were briefed on that one. Um, sorry to ruin the surprise, but yeah, we, we, we were brief. We knew what was happening. Uh, the gentleman had, had got in touch with our manager and said that's what he wanted to do. Uh, his now fiance, I don't think would have had had any clue. Um, I don't. I'm pretty sure she had no clue. And um, and yeah, so the way we the way we kind of constructed it is we were like, how do we do this so that we can give him an opportunity to propose? So obviously, let him took his him him take his penalties first, and then when. When his now fiance went up to take, he obviously got down on one knee. So when she turned around, he was there to ask the question. So um, it was a beautiful moment. It's lovely to do some stuff like that. Um, and it's always nice when it's a surprise as well, because then you get a genuine reaction. Yeah, it was really, really nice. And we were we were commenting on it and how just how, you know, it's always good to see. And, it, you know, it just perks everybody up in the, in the stadium as well. It would have been horrendous had she said no, then, you know, of course, but, you know, happy endings. So, what you, you can't really complain about that. No, of course not. It, it would have been awful. But in fact, Tom and I were discussing like, what if she says no, yeah. and then Tom was going to say, "Well, do you want to take the penalty anyway?" Like, yeah. so we, we had obviously we, we're, we're planning for the best, um, but we did prepare for the worst. But thankfully. It all went to plan, and, and I don't know when their date is. I haven't had any information from them to tell me if I'm invited to the wedding or not, but hopefully that all goes ahead as planned and well. well. You're the ultimate wingman there, getting it all arranged. Both you and Tom should be there. You know, you should be walking them up the aisle. The links some guys will go, though, to win a penalty shootout put off their wives. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, I know. It's tragic. So, Steve, we've had a general chat, but now we're going to delve into your matchday memoirs. So, Steve, you do the whole day of presenting at St Mary's on, on game day. Just take us through, from beginning to end, just what a match day looks like for you. Right, so for me, we'll normally arrive at, at the stadium at St Mary's about three hours prior to kick-off, or going live, to be fair. When we turn up, we'll go in, we'll have, we've got a briefing room, 
that we use and I'll sit down with the rest of the team so that'll be uh, Terry, Luke, Sam, Chris, Tom, myself and that obviously the cameraman, floor manager, um, organiser, etc, other presenters and we'll, we'll sit down and we'll, we'll look through the script, the running order, um, what's going to go on that day. Um, Tom and I will have a separate script as well that we can see kind of rough links that have been written for us, not necessarily word for word, but kind of where we should where we should go with it. That will last maybe best part of 40 minutes to an hour until we get through that. It's kind of casual. It's not the most kind of rushed of days. It's better that we've got a bit more time. Once we've done that, we'll go uh, up to the PA room, get that set up. So obviously we've got someone who will run the, the audio desk, someone who's in charge of, of the big screen, get all those tests sorted. That'll give Tom and I a chance to have a quick look at the script. We'll go down pitch side. We'll test out the mics, test out the camera, make sure that they're running smoothly, which nine times out of ten they are sometimes we've had some technical issues and we've had to just go audio only but most of the time cameras and mic issues are fine and then after we've done that tom and i will then go back up uh, to the pa room into the little uh, hallway there and we'll run through the script link for link deciding who's coming in who's who's leading that particular link who's then coming out of the link who's saying what any anything else that we can add add to it, any color we can give of it any ad-libbing around it that we think would be quite nice um and then once that's done we'll have a bit of food which is great so we get our lunch catered for us which is pretty decent uh, and then after that it's time to then go straight down to pitch side and crack on with the show Fantastic. and obviously you then do that at, at the show and then you come on and you do it at half time as I said just to provide that halftime entertainment, which I think I, I completely agree that the way that Saints do it, there's it's there's so much involvement it, and it changes as well. It's changed over the years. You provide variety rather than it's not the relay every single time. You do have that penalty shootout. And, you, you know, I've, I've, I've been going to the ground for, what, 15 years or so. And, you know, no, no two halftime entertainments are the same. There's always something a bit different about it. And it's something that just stands out. Obviously, the halftime relay being the one, one of my favourites. So after full time goes, the crowd are on their way out. Is that what, what happens for you then? Is it a case of you just pick your moment to leave with the rest of the fans? Or have you still got some stuff that you need to wrap up before you, you head off? Yeah, normally we'll just have a debrief, a very short debrief. How, how the day went, um, what was good what could maybe be improved on. Uh, but nine times out of ten, at half-time, once that's finished with, my presenting duties are over. Now, normally we'll still sit in the stands. We, we stood in the tunnel for quite some time, and then they decided that there was too many people in the tunnel, so we weren't allowed in that kind of area. So we're now, we're now up into just behind the dugout, and we still have to relay messages up to the PA room. So during, during the first half and during the second half, we'll have to spot any particular... Um, incidents if someone's been yellow carded and it's not been it's not been spotted by the the big screen monitor and it's not gone up there we'll have to uh, radio that up making sure goal scorers are correct um substitutions and added time so we'll all have to keep an eye on the fourth official see what's happening there and make sure anything that's happening around that dugout area is fed back to the pa room so that they know um any announcements are correct and what's on the big screen is correct so okay so once you're off the off the screen and and the game's on there's that kind of team work ethic and you're all kind of covering each other and whilst your job is necessarily done but you know on, on pause for the for the match day and someone else is doing their job you're kind of helping each other out i mean it's a bit different in the second half because you've got nothing left to do to work towards at the end 
During the first half, do you find yourself, I mean, you said you sit in the stand, do you find yourself being able to relax for 45 minutes, obviously keeping an eye on on, on those um, potential errors, but do you get to watch the game almost as a fan or do you, do you watch the whole half? Do you and Tom spend a bit of time just... Um, quickly going over what it is that you're about to do at half-time. How, how's the first half look like for the pitch side presenters? It's pretty relaxed. Um, we do get to, we do get to watch the, the, the entirety of, of, the, of the half because we can't actually get onto pitch side until the players have left the pitch. So, um, yeah, we'll get up there early. Um, we'll, we'll watch the full half. If there's kind of if if Saints are winning, which would be great, it, it allows us to maybe have a bit more kind of laugh and a joke with our script for half time. If we can maybe chuck a couple of comments in here and there, if it's if if it's not going well and Saints are, are a goal down or a couple of goals down, normally we'll rein it in a bit and we'll just stick very much to hello, welcome back. Here's the halftime relay. Off you go. But I would say it, it is pretty relaxed. The whole day is pretty, pretty relaxed. I mean, when I when I first was interviewed for the job, they they did ask me how are you going to feel stood in front of thirty odd thousand people, and at the time I was like, well, of course it's going to be daunting to have to do it, and you do get used to it. And the first few, maybe three, four, five games, it is still, and you still get nervous now, but less so and less so. But I don't class my job as actually being stressful. It's not hard. I have to stand there and read stuff out, and it just happens to be that there's a lot of people in the stadium. If I was, if my job was being a paramedic or a firefighter, and I had to save people's lives, that's stress. What I do, saying words to a camera, is is not stress. During lockdown, obviously, your role has changed. With obviously there being no fans in the ground, just how just how has your role changed since since lockdown, especially with those uh, those pre and post match shows that you do? Yeah, so it was something that we were talking about um to shoot a pilot for so back in back in sort of february time they wanted the 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 hierarchy of the of the media team wanted to provide something for away away days because obviously you've got all that effort put into games at St Mary's and when it goes to to the away matches there's there's not a huge amount of content they've done the vlogs the fan vlogs of going going to the away games are not not necessarily a plethora of stuff for people to engage with and not always necessarily fans that are involved in the UK, fans that also want to watch from abroad too, um, that can't make it to, to games. So we had, a, we had a discussion about putting together a, a show and a pilot, which we were going to shoot. But unfortunately, uh, we had the coronavirus pandemic and lockdown began and, and we, that got scrapped. So it was a few months of being in the wilderness and not really knowing what was going on. And then eventually it was decided that we were going to start doing this Saints live show for the remaining games of the restart once once those dates had been confirmed. And, and it's been great. So we do the, the pre-match show for about 45 minutes. That starts about 15 minutes to just before the team news is announced so that the, so the lineups we get in and, and Kenzie will read those out. And then we'll also have our, our regular guests, which are former Saints captain Dean Hammond and then uh, former chief sports writer of the Southern Daily Echo, Adam Leach. So they're our regular guests. They're in over Zoom. We had to stick to social distancing. So Kenzie and I are sat two metres apart and then we have those those guys over Zoom. And, and again, kind of similar to, to the pre-match show at St Mary's, we'll have a list of topics to run through, not necessarily giveaways and, and links with the tickets or shares, etc. But it'll be talking points. So it'll be analysing the previous game. It'll be looking at uh, form. And then and then you've got the, the team news. So it'll be assessing who's in, what Dean and Adam think of the lineup. It may even look back at 
past game, so when we had the Brighton game a couple of weeks ago, or last week, sorry, um, we looked at previous Saints games against Brighton and we got Dean to talk through those and what it was like playing in those fixtures. We've had great goals that Saints have scored against uh, Manchester United when there was the game at Old Trafford. So we try to include loads of stuff as well and there's loads of fan comments that get fed through that we try and read out. So it's, again, that's all about that engagement, that, that making sure that fans, not just from the UK, but around the globe that follow Saints have something to watch before they just watch the generic uh, TV uh, unbiased stuff that you'll see on, on Sky and BT, etc. If they want that kind of that's, that's Saints focus, then they can tune into Saints Live. We'll then watch the first, we'll watch the full game and then we'll come back normally around five minutes after the final whistle for the post-match show where we've, we've generated some talking points um, through the game and then we'll, we'll get Dean and Adam to analyse those and, and talk us through what their opinions are of certain things, any decisions that have been made, goals that were scored, looking to the future about the games that are coming up and what maybe needs to change or what's, the, what's gone well. So um, that has been, uh, for me, a real... Um, positive of the restart, get being involved in that show. I think it worked really well. Um, the feedback's been great, um, and it's something that hopefully will, will continue. I think it's a completely different sort of change of lanes for you and what you do at the moment because this is a lot more orientated to the football and what's happening during the time that you're not pitch side uh, rather than your engagement with the fans in a different way in terms of just keeping them entertained. I mean, obviously, you'll go through the team lineups and and you'll be introducing previous goals against the teams or in the last game and guess who scored and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot more fan interaction, whereas I suppose with the, with the shows, I don't know if you're able to see the comments as and when they come in, but other than that, you've not kind of got that, that interaction directly with the fans that is immediately reciprocated and and this is a lot more uh, to do with as you said analysis of the game I mean Dean and Adam will be the guys who are, who are doing that mainly but it's almost uh, like the TV scenario isn't it with with you know match of the day or the live games on Sky and BT and, and all those where you're you're talking to the experts and asking them the questions just just on that then so you were planning on bringing this in unbeknown to us you know this whole pandemic was going to happen so what, what's the plan for you in terms of the the pre-match? Because obviously post-match you don't you don't present anything pitch side. Pre-match you do. Is is the plan for you to to spend your time doing the pre-match show on the pitch or next to the pitch, as I say? But then post-match doing the the post-match show. Will it be meaningful for the season? For the coming season, that again, it's up in the air, um, Callum. I, we haven't been told anything, and unfortunately, due to the situation that we're in, decisions necessarily can't be made until things are, are clarified with the Premier League and, and with with not only my my hierarchy within the club, but their hierarchy too. So it's very much been month to month, step by step. It's something that because of the the positive reaction we've had and, and how well it's gone that. I would say all of us involved would love it to continue. Whether it's something that does or not is, is not down to me and, and I wouldn't be able to tell you if it, if it will or it won't. When fans do return, 
I can't wait to be pitch side again. I, it, it, you get a thrill from doing it. I love working with the people that I work with and, and I genuinely love doing the pitch side show. What this has offered is still maintaining my connection with the club, still being able to do what I love to do as, as a job, just in a slightly different way. So we'll just have to wait and see. There's no guarantees that have been made um, for what's going to happen in the future, but I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful it's something that does continue. Yeah, and it's not... It's not automatically assume that these are two different concepts that that can't be sort of uh, in, entwined in some way and you know you might have the pre, pre-match show where it's being presented and people are talking to Dean and Adam and then um, it shows a bit of what's happening pitch side where you might be talking about you know what's happened in a previous game and and those sorts of things so um, yeah it'd be really interesting to see if those two things go hand in hand and uh, and are almost as I said entwined in, in before a game because I think that could work that could work particularly well couldn't it Tom yeah I, th- I think it could definitely work and there's certainly I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of ideas in the background that you know Steve that the team are mulling over as ideas for next season obviously it's all up in the air because nothing is confirmed about next season I mean we've still got one game left of this so there's plenty uh, there, there's plenty of time to go when you're working pitch side and when you obviously got the call to come and, and work with, with Saints and you hadn't really sort of done that uh, that kind of thing before I mean there aren't very many jobs where you can kind of transfer those those skills but had you looked into previous people who had done that job at Saints or any other uh, sporting team or, or any other kind of event had you seen that and did you do any research afterwards because as a Saints fan I've seen Many people do it and, and do it in completely different ways. Obviously, you, you make it what it is and you make it your own and it changed once Tom came in and you became a, a duet almost. But once you've obviously come in and you and you look at it and how am I going to do this? I remember back when we were in the championship and in those days and uh, had a fella called Mike Osman and obviously it's a different crowd when the tickets are uh, 10, 15 pounds and we're in the championship. Some people only like Premier League football, but... He, he was one that would almost be, he was like a fan on the pitch. And I remember he used to go up to the Northern and directly interact with them and get them starting to sing songs. You've obviously got Kenzie Benali, who's been part of the Slampton family since, um, well, all of her life. And obviously her father is, is a big part of that. And uh, and it's almost like having one of, one of your own and part of the family on the pitch. And obviously yourself and now Tom have, have come in you get to work with Kenzie and I'm sure you've you've spoken on many a time and she's you know, answered questions and given you advice. But have you ever looked into how anyone else does this kind of thing or did you just come in and go, you know what, I'm going to do this my way? I was, ne- I was never advised to do it a certain way. I was always given that creative freedom to start to, to present in the way I wanted to present. One of the kind of things that was said during my interview phase and, and when I first got the job is that you have to be exuberant you have to be able to have a have a big voice a voice that connects with 30,000 people be able to have the right tone um but but never never looked at anyone else i'll tell you what like when i when i got the job i, I didn't get a call to come do it i applied for it like any other job i found it online thought i could probably do that and and applied for it i was i was doing a little bit of radio stuff uh, i just finished my journalism qualification I was working in a call centre for for my for my coffers every week. That's what I was doing after after I finished my course. I hadn't had a full time job in the media industry at that point. So um, I just found it online. Thought, well, it's near it's near my home, so I will I'll apply, see if I can get in. 
when I when I got the call to say, or I got the email to say that I'd been selected for the first round of interviews, I couldn't even believe that. I was actually shocked that I'd even been picked. And actually, um, I said this story on another, on another podcast. When, when I got the email, it went to my junk. So I didn't realize until the day of the interview that they'd invited me for an interview. Oh. So, I, so I panicked and I was, I was like, what, what do I do? So I had to find Tom Cool, who's the head of audiovisual on LinkedIn, subscribe to LinkedIn Premium so I could message him, message him and say, I'm so sorry. I've just seen this email. It's gone to my junk. I definitely want to come for an interview. I can't do today. Um, could I do tomorrow? And he got back to me and was like, yeah, no problem. That's understandable. Um, testament to his character of what a nice guy he is. But he was like, yeah, understandable. No problem. We'll, we'll book it for another day. And eventually managed to get in and, and, and had the interview like you'd have for any job and invited for a second interview where I had to do a little piece to camera and, and interview, interview a, a fan, like just another member of staff pitch side uh, just to generate a link so that they can review that. And then while I was actually working in, in the call center that I was in at the time, um, my shift had just finished and got a call off of Tom. And, and he was like, and it was one of those typical calls where it's like, hi, Steve. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming in for the interview. And instantly you're thinking that's, thanks very much, but we've decided to go with someone else. It was, thanks very much, but, and uh, yeah, we'd like to offer you the job. I couldn't believe it. I was I shouted at the top of my voice in the middle of this call center. I was like, yes, thank God. Brilliant, love, thanks so much for the call. Amazing, yes, I'll take the job. So I've kind of forgot the question now that you asked me. I was just thinking, he didn't Simon Cow you, did he, and say we didn't like you. We loved you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. Nothing like that. It, it was, it, like I said, it was. It just was a normal phone call, and I, and I honestly didn't expect to even get the job. So when I got it, yes, of course, you will look at people that are on the telly that work on sports broadcast. Like I, I eventually would like that. I would like to make this my full time career of being a sports broadcaster. Um, and yes, you 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 will take little chunks off of people that you respect and admire and go, they do that really well, they do that really well. But you can't be a carbon copy because there's already one of that person. There's already a Chappers, there's already a Gary Lineker, there's already a whoever. You have to be yourself. You can you can draw inspiration and you can take things that they do well and then tweak them to your own style. But um, yeah, I feel like since I came in, I have a different style to Kenzie I have a different style probably to the chat before I haven't I haven't met who did it before I have a different style to Tom but I think that's great I think it's great that you can always bring people in that are contrasting but work well together um, and and it's just it's my job as well to constantly improve I'll get feedback that say that didn't quite work and I'll try and make it better and better and better thank goodness you uh, you found that email in the junk just before it was late <laughs> a week later I think yeah different Steve, on on the topic of the matters on the pitch, just what have you been? What have been your thoughts of Saints' performance since the restart? I think they've been fantastic. Um, there's been a real positivity amongst the squad. It seems. It seems like there's a there's a real flow of confidence now that maybe hasn't been there. Again, I'm not involved in being in or around the players, so I don't know what's being said behind closed doors. But you can tell by the way that they're playing now, it's so much more cohesive than it had been for for some months beforehand. I mean, don't get me wrong, there was a great period after October, November time, and there was a real good run. And you were starting to see it maybe start to slip off a little bit just before lockdown, um, after obviously not a great start to the season. But since the restart, what is it? Three wins, 
four draws and, a, and, a, and one loss. I think it's so, round, I mean, it's round, it's round uh, about that. Maybe, maybe, maybe it might, I think it might be four wins, three draws, but even four so. Four wins now, yeah. After that win against I mean, Who's going to complain at that? That's that's fantastic. Losing ones to Arsenal, admittedly, a couple of errors. I think uh, maybe an off day was was bound to happen out of out of eight or nine games, but everything else. I mean, just watching Saints has been so much better, and you can tell. I think that it's taken a little while, but Ralph is really getting his message across now, and they're playing the way that he wants them to play. It's this high pressing, high intensity football, which yes. There are squads in the Premier League that have better players on paper. But when you have a team like Southampton are playing at the moment where all the, all the players believe in each other and are, and are playing together, in, a, in like I said, in a cohesive way, you're grinding out these results. And, and sometimes not even grinding out, sometimes completely outclassing teams that are above your level um, in the league. Just um, a th- just a thought that's come to me, Steve, but it's something that, you know, having talked about the form and what we've come back to, you obviously would have got to speak about it on the uh, on the post-match show, but how, I mean, obviously there are a lot of things going on that are, that are worse than not being able to be at the football, but how much would you have loved to have been able to come out at half-time and uh, the buzz that would have been around the stadium after Che Adams had scored that goal and, and Saints were leading at half-time against Man City. I mean, afterwards, I'm sure on the post-match show, it was fantastic. But for that to have happened for Che, everyone has been willing him on. And for him to do it in the way that he did and the team to be playing the way that they were against against Man City, I'm sure that would have been one of those scenarios where um, where you, you and Tom could have come out firing on all cylinders. That's the dream, isn't it? Like if that, if that had happened, being in the stadium with thirty thousand people around, people wouldn't have gone for a wee. People wouldn't have gone to get a pie and a, and a cup of tea. You'd you'd be so buzzing. The chanting would have still continued after the players had left the field. Um, that would have given us obviously a huge boost, being able to walk out and having kind of that reception because because the spirits would have just been maxed out. Yes, it is a shame that fans couldn't have been there to see it in in person anyway, rather than just being on the telly. But I mean, what a game, fully deserved. I know there was uh, some nervy moments and McCarthy had a couple of decent saves and Man City were knocking on the door a few times, but I I don't think it was undeserved getting a 1-0 win to see. I can imagine that should fans have been in the ground for that game, then you could have cut the tension with a knife, like, like especially those last 10, 15 minutes when it was just backs to the wall, City throwing everything into the box, Carl Walker-Peters throwing pretty much any limb he could in front of the, in front of the ball. You, you can tell that the fans would have been so together and then there would have been that outpouring of relief and emotion at the final whistle. So, I mean, it, it's just a number, one of a number of brilliant performances that we've had since the restart. And of course, one game to go, it's a bit of a non-event against Sheffield United because they can't push for European place, which, I mean, is remarkable to talk about Sheffield United European place on the last day after, you know, being tipped by everyone pretty much to finish bottom of the pile. But more about Saints, it's a chance for them to, you know, finish on another win. I think a win would take them just, th- they'd finish just three points off the total that Pochettino got in his first full season. Do you think, Steve, as Saints being your, you know, second club in quotation marks, but more, as more of maybe a, a bit of a, a bit of a neutral looking in, do you think that Southampton can realistically challenge for Europa League football next season? Or do you think maybe the, the, the quality of the teams, some of them maybe underperforming quite a bit this season, and it's, it's a bit more difficult than just taking the momentum into next season? Um, momentum 
play a huge part. Um, let's wait and see what happens in the final the final game. I think they've got a real good shot um, to kind of put the nail in in the coffin of Sheffield United's European hopes. And I think it'd be a great end to the season to, to get a win at St Mary's. Going into next season, I don't I, would, I don't say the sky's the limit. I definitely feel that given how they've played, it's not necessarily the results, it's, it's watching them play and how they've played. That is the positive. And I think going forward, if they can maintain, like you said, momentum, but how they're playing, the level of intensity and keeping certain people fit. You've got to remember that I know Shea's got a couple of goals now and Obafemi's popped up and Stuart Armstrong and Redders has popped up. But Danny Ings is the talisman. He has scored so many important goals. Keeping him fit and keeping him on fire is, is the key. I think if you've got a fit Danny Ings for the majority of next season, if not all of next season, popping up with another 20-odd goals and the whole team is, is playing at the same level they're playing now, then uh, an eighth, seventh, probably not sixth finish would, would, be, would be definitely achievable. Yeah, and obviously Ralph will be looking to uh, to improve things in terms of, of recruitment on the pitch. Um, I feel that when Southampton are doing well, every part of the club is is um, is working towards the same thing, and in unison, and and went off the road a little bit and off the rails for for a few seasons where um, where the philosophy of the way we played and a lot of a, a lot of things on and off the pitch kind of changed a bit for Saints and and, and that um, is why we in, in a large part went from the highs of sort of sixth all the way down to those consecutive relegation battles but I always found that when the Saints were uh, finding their way into the Premier League after the takeover with Nicola Cortese at the helm, every minute detail was looked at and Southampton were absolutely flying every single season progressively getting better and better We'd lose players, we'd lose managers, but it didn't seem to, to start with us because we had people lined up. And it's not just what's on the pitch, but I felt like um, something that Arsenal has definitely done since he came in, and it was clear in his intentions, was to try and bring everyone heading in the same direction, and that's off the table, whether that be the team, the coaches, the fans, the staff like yourselves, those behind the scenes, all doing things in the right way, and the club just running and in, in kind of a fluid, just a, a mechanism that just you can lose a part, but things continue to work. And your role in that and the team that do the presenting is also a huge part of that because you have such an impact on uh, on the fans. And we all know how important the fans are to the team. And then it all keeps just, we get on that kind of snowball when things keep getting better and better. So um, going into next season, obviously Ralph will be looking at recruitment and they'll be looking at improving what's happening on the pitch we're already starting to see that with him but hopefully with the home form uh, taking a bit of a, an upturn and I'm sure that it will do you have any plans or do you know of any plans to um, improve on what is all already like you said and a fantastic set of entertainment especially compared to to other clubs are you getting that feeling around the club that uh everything's together and, and maybe compared to you know, 2018 when, when, when you um, started and you, you were doing that on your own. Do you find that now you, you, it feels like a different vibe and, and everything's heading in a different direction? I wouldn't say necessarily heading in a, in a different direction. Um, when I joined, yeah, there was less less staff. Um, there, was, there was only a few people working in the match day, 
match day team. So that has already grown. Uh, the club has already invested its its time and money in, in creating a, a, a bigger team to put on more for the fans. Who knows? Because we're in the middle of a pandemic still, which we, we're not out of yet. That's having a financial a financial impact on every sector. Whether that will have an impact on the club spending this summer in terms of player recruitment, whether it will have an impact on what the club can do financially, internally, I don't know. I don't make those decisions. I have to be able to just run with, with whatever I'm asked to do. Um, in terms of where the match day, the, the big picture of match day, again, that's the question probably for people more educated than myself, but it has progressively been getting bigger for the last few, for the last few seasons. It has been unfortunate that in those seasons where we'd have probably been hoping to finish higher in the table and have a bit more enthusiasm around the club, it hasn't been the case. But in, in the time that I've been there, we've now got loads more giveaways, more is being spent on, on, uh, on stuff for the fans, on goodie bags, on being able to give them tickets to, to games. You've got uh, the, the flames that go off now as well, the light shows. There's, there's so much more that's being put into the the show in inverted commas as it were um, rather than just say turning up waiting for a couple of fans to come in saying a couple of links to cameras giving some stuff away and, and that's it I feel like they're almost trying to create from the moment you get into the stadium and we start that show you are entertained right throughout till the football starts still entertained football finishes half time still entertained all the way through to the very end so as I mentioned earlier value for money when you're paying the Premier League prices now to come and watch a team. You, you don't just want to turn up and sit in the stands with your cup of bother and wait in half an hour till, till the, the players come out to warm up and then and then kick off. You want to have a bit more. And I really do feel that Southampton as a club are pioneering that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think it has been obvious. I think um, it almost coincided with when uh, Ralph Hasnes joined the club. And I know there are a lot of changes right at the very top of the hierarchy at the club and, and almost uh, it took a second and thought, right, let's, we've lost our way a bit. Let's look at getting back to where we were. And, um, and with the entertainment in the, uh, in the type of football that we're now playing under Ralph Arsenal, which is, which is so exciting, as you said, he came in and at that time, his immediate, he immediately wanted to get us, obviously, first and foremost, out of that relegation battle. But he, his emphasis was so much on the club pushing towards the same objective and alongside the fans. And he was so keen on the fans. Lo and behold, in and around that time, the entertainment, like you said, and, and, the, um, and, the, and the fire and the light shows and everything else started coming up. And it just felt like we were making a real conscious effort to, to change maybe what had been going wrong, certainly on the pitch in the last couple of seasons. And there was a real air of excitement. And I... I personally have felt that as a fan and being there at the games, I've felt that grow, as you said, from when you arrive at the stadium all the way up until the first half, during the first half, half-time, second half, and then people buzzing when they're leaving the stadium, maybe not so often with the result, but just generally it's such a fantastic experience when you go for a match day. And like you said, when you're, when you're paying that money, uh, you're certainly getting your money's worth um, as a Saints fan. It'll be really interesting to see what happens next season and and I'm just getting that kind of feel from the club that maybe we didn't have 
for a while as fans in terms of what we saw on the pitch um, and where we were in the league table that it's heading up the uh, up the league and that we're um, we're starting to look really good and we're excited yeah this season's not finished yet but we're already excited for what's going to happen next season uh, with the team and uh, and I think it's uh, it's a real positive time to be a Saints fan. I think most people agree. Do you want me to let you in on a little secret there just while you're on that when it comes to kind of uh, stuff that Ralph has done? Now, I, this is what I've heard. It, it, it came from Ralph. But when I joined, a little time into that tenure, we, was, we weren't allowed to announce anything over the PA system. So including links, including stuff that John would be, lineups, anything like that, while the players were warming up. So the players would come out and for a 20-minute period, we had lockdown. So we weren't allowed to have anything other than the playlist that the players had chosen to warm up to, which tended to be the same songs every week. Don't know why that was. I've heard rumours of why it was, which I won't go into, but we weren't allowed to say anything. Apparently, it was too distracting. Since Ralph came in, that's changed. We can now do stuff over the tunnel. We can we can still allude to the fact to the, the players that they're welcome them out to pitch side for their warm up. Still dwellings over the top. The fans are still then engaged with watching the players warm up. Still engaged with us doing our links. And again, if that is something that Ralph has then said and, and uh, that it's okay and changed it, it has changed the dynamic of, of, of the pre match show as well. We definitely feel we've got more freedom. It feels less controlled and almost like you have to be on on eggshells when the players come out it's almost a bit like the players are happy to just be involved again within within their surroundings um i don't know why that why that originally came in but that's something that has changed and i definitely feel that it's made my job easier and it definitely feels like the aura is way more positive as well and that and that since ralph has come in and, and, to, and to be honest with you, Steve, as, as someone who sees it uh, week in, week out, it, it really does come across. Um, and I'm sure you get a lot of uh, a lot of feedback from the fans and the people that are watching. But it's it's evident in um, in the pre-match and the half-time shows as well as what's on the pitch, and uh, and it does coincide with when Arsenal did come in. Whether you know, as you said, whether that's uh, that's coincidence or not. But you know things like when when we're giving away um, or we're making the tickets cheap. Virgin Media did that bit with the fans, certain games, and it's just the little things that are adding to what we're hoping will be uh, will be success on the pitch, which is uh, which is what it all comes down to. Steve, we've uh, we've taken up quite a bit of your time, and I know that you've got an early start tomorrow. So um, we'll we'll look to we'll look to wrap it up, but it's. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great having you on. Slight technical problem at the start, completely on our end, but we got that all, we, we got that all fine. You can find that Steve Forbes on Twitter at Forbesy Presents. So that's at F O R B E S Y P R E S E N T S. Steve, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for your time, Steve, and uh, and thank you for uh, listening to another episode of Under the Lights with myself. Tom and uh, on this occasion Steve has been a great insight and um, thanks very much for your match day memoirs. Uh, my name's Callum Wilson you can find me at Callum Wilson 21 on Twitter and my name's Tom Murray you can find me on Twitter at T214 Murray thank you very much for listening to this episode of Under the Lights 